Before we look into the word of God, let us bow our heads in prayer. Loving Father in heaven, we come before thy throne of grace once more this day. Lord, things are changing rapidly. And we're so glad that the Lord is on our side. We need not fear, but we also need to strongly urge and encourage all those that have not yet made a covenant with thee to do so while it is yet day and while the promised time is still here. Lord, we do pray for our brethren in the Ukraine who are undergoing an invasion which they didn't think would happen. This is what the feedback is. They never dreamt that this would happen, something like this. That brother invades brother and is causing so much distress. Father, we pray for them. We pray that you would give them the grace and the strength from above that they would endure and they would be faithful in all their trials, even if it means going to prison because of refusal to swear allegiance or to take up arms to defend the country. And we pray that you would protect their families, that you would be with them and comfort and strengthen them and help them through this crisis, this trial once again. Be with us, Lord, as your word goes forth. Open the hearts of all that are here and that are tuning in on teams and we pray that your name would be glorified and lifted up above all. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Dear ones, for this afternoon's or morning service, let us turn. I felt led to, to turn to Second uh, Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come 
to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all of holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening or hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements that shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for these such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I've read the entire chapter. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's bow down and worship the Lord together. Almighty creator of this vast universe, we, your children, have come into your awesome presence in wonder and awe of not only who you are, your power, your majesty, and that you care about us and that you listen to us is a wonder greater still and that you would call us children who have been so rebellious who have been who have disappointed you so often who are so unfaithful father we do not deserve could never deserve this privilege And we thank you for your mercy, your grace that you have shown. May we never take it for granted. Father, we have read in your word this morning how, how entitled and nonchalant and how blasé the people were to ignore your loving entreatings and warnings and feeling like 
things will just keep going like this forever and we're in control. And yet, it is by your mercy alone that we are still here, that judgment has not come. It is because you want all to come in repentance, to know you, to be rescued from their own sinfulness, to take advantage of the sacrifice you've made with your son that's, that you have held off this long. But the day is coming where everything we touch will burn. Nothing we build here will survive except the building of your kingdom. Father, we are fearful for those that we love so much who do not yet know you, those who are still enticed by the glittering of things here that will not last. And Father, who we have to admit that we have been distracted. We have allowed the thorns of the cares of this world to entice us to and to distract us and to weaken us. Lord, especially during this pandemic as we've allowed the, the laxness, the lack of, of fellowship, the lack of accountability to, to allow us each to to become lax in our own relationship with you. And Father, we need to recognize there is a war, not just the one raging. In Eastern Europe, there is a war raging in each one of our hearts. There is an evil one who, who seeks to lull us to sleep and to be heedless of your warning to watch and pray that there's one who like a roaring lion seeks to devour. And it is only through vigilance, through being aware of the truth of your, of these spiritual realities and the temporary nature of all that we think is so all important that we invest every ounce of our energy and to fight, to keep and Lord, yet it, it it's, what manner of men ought we to be? We really recognize the temporary nature of all that we are putting this energy in and the permanent nature of the things we neglect. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for our twisted priorities. And Father, for those who follow, for our loved ones, Father, be gracious. Lord, I pray that they may still see the truth though, though distorted by our own imperfect examples. I pray for this coming generation and all that they will endure. Lord, may they push past their comfort. May they seek you alone and put down roots deep into your word that they may be able to withstand in the evil day because the evil day is coming and is coming fast. Father, may we indeed seek you and not become complacent, nor become angry and distracted by all the 
politics and all that would scream and want us to align with their cause and get angry with and wrestle against flesh and blood when this is a spiritual battle. Father, help us to focus on the true enemy with holy emotions and indignation against the true enemy of our soul and not the peons whom he manipulates, who need to be rescued and redeemed as his prisoners of war. Father, we pray for our dear brothers and sisters in this real war who are, who are being hauled off, who are leaving families of 10, 12 behind without father, without mother. Father, we pray for your protection. You are the father of the fatherless. Lord, watch over them. Father, we pray for these, for, for, for peace and for sanity to return. We pray for the leaders, for wisdom. And we pray for your body to become alive and to offer a peace that this world cannot understand, a peace that is present in the storm, a peace that endures for eternity. Lord, help us to be a living light on a, on a, on a candlestick, a city that is set on a hill, a salt that has not lost its savor, a contrast to a corrupt and lying world that we speak the truth courageously and not being intimidated because they cannot take what is our true treasure. Father, we pray for inspiration for the brother who would preach. We pray for those who are wrestling with the war of their own failing flesh due to old age, due to sickness. Father, we pray for your healing. We pray for our dear sister Olga Ordog. We pray for um, those who are, are elderly and, and cut off from us, whether it be Sister Christine or my mother or the Sviratses or, or Lord, there you know each one who is being held back. We pray for those who are even prisoners of fear who are still being alienated from us. Lord, we pray for uh, uh, um, for the things that keep us weak and divided to be exposed and that we would be diligent in uprooting them. Father, we have much to repent, to grow, and we have little time. Father, we pray for a sincere focus that we would come near to you and rend not our garments but our hearts to speak not from our lips, but from the depths of our being, to be sincere and contrite, that you could change us, not on the outside, but from the inside out. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The second epistle of Peter is very short, but very to the point, very poignant.
Peter, in writing this, as mentioned before, was much like the Apostle Paul when he wrote 2 Timothy 4. The Apostle Paul was ready to be delivered the second time before Nero and to be martyred for his faith. Peter, in this very um, book itself, this second epistle that he wrote, he also reminded the believers that his time is coming. His time is also coming when he will uh, leave, his, as he says, this earthly tabernacle. And his purpose was that he would leave before, behind a legacy. His last words, his last message to the people, as the Apostle Paul did to Timothy, the Bishop of Ephesus. In this chapter, we have at least twice at the very beginning where he talks about, I write now unto you both which I have, which I stir up your pure minds, stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that they be mindful. When they, he's stirring up their minds, he's jigging their memory. Remember what you've learned before, what you've been taught, what the holy prophets have spoken, what we as apostles have given you commands to do. You know, the apostles gave commands. Jesus gave commands to the apostles and the apostles gave commands. These were not just suggestions. These would not just say, this is a liberty for you, but rather it was a command, a charge that they would uphold these commandments which God had given them the authority to give. You know, in the second chapter of Peter, he goes into a great um, lengths to tell them amongst them, they're in their midst, they're sitting with them. These false teachers that are doing this for gain, that are doing this for personal, um, and they're making merchandise of you. They're using you to profit themselves by their teachings. And it reminded me so much today of the of the, the false teachers that are out there that are giving fake news, that are, that are saying everything is well, that you as Christians should not worry because God will not allow the Christians to suffer. He wants to give you health and wealth. And in return, they give them money back. And some of them own jet planes, two or three, and cars and mansions. And the Apostle Peter says that they have gone after the way of Balaam. For money, he prophesied as the enemy wanted him to prophesy. And he went and he sold his children into prostitution, if you will, with the Moabites. 
And he completely, after starting off, if you will, on a somewhat of a good foot or footing, he ended up in, in, in destruction and corruption. And even here, the Apostle Peter is telling us to remember what you were taught. Don't remember what you, these false teachers and this world is saying to you. And it seems like throughout the second book, this constant theme of false teaching and, and judgment and the naysayers are trying to tell the people everything's okay. Just like in the time of Jeremiah when he was prophesying the impending doom of the king from the north. And he was saying to these false prophets, you are saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. What's he trying to bring us into remembrance? The words of the Lord, the words of the prophecy. Prophecy plays a big part in the Christian faith, in the Christian beliefs. Because they confirm the promises of God and they bolster and, and anchor our faith that God has fulfilled his promises thus far and will continue to fulfill his promises. He wants to reassure the believers in chapter 1, and I'm just going to, I'm give, giving you a little bit of an overview, a survey in, for this to give you the, the, try to give you the whole flavor of this epistle. He says, we also have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart, knowing that first, no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. We cannot take somebody's personal views and opinions and say, I have the answer to this. We've got to go back to the scripture and say, what did God promise and what came to pass? And based upon that, what else did God promise and what is yet to come to pass as Revelation speaks to us? For prophecy came, in other words, in the old time when the prophets spoke, they didn't say something out of their own gut feel or out of their own wisdom or knowledge. But he says, prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It came by no private interpretation, but it came from the Holy Spirit. And we need to believe that. We have so many proofs in the scripture of things that have come to pass. To deny that is what he says here in chapter 3. Of this they are willingly ignorant of. Verse 5. These naysayers, these false prophets, these false teachers... It says that they are willingly ignorant of, by the word of God, the heavens were of old. And he's going now and saying, look, they're saying no to these things, it's not going to happen. Whereas the coming is coming. For since our fathers, the prophets, fell asleep, everything remains the same. Nothing has come to pass in their prophecies. But he said, these things they are willingly ignorant of, 
that by the word of God the heavens were evolved. Now he's not trying to say, well, by the way, God created the heavens and the earth. He's leading up to something here. He's leading up to a proof. Just as God's created the heavens of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then was being overflowed with water perished. God said he was going to destroy the world and it came to pass. Through Noah. God destroyed the world. He said, and he gave them 120 years to repent. 120 years, according to the, the, the commentary in Hebrews. 120 years to repent. Back then, that was probably a fraction of their lifetime. They lived up to, the oldest was Methuselah, 969 years old. But he gave them 120 years to repent. And they mocked Noah. And they laughed at him. Say, where is this coming? There's no, no, where's the water going to come from? There's no clouds. Did they even know anything about hydrology at the time? They debunked it. And until the day that the first drop came and Noah went in and the door was shut the scripture says and then he says by the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are now being kept in store just as God judged the world in the time of Noah God is going to judge the world in future as he promised not by water anymore he gave the rainbow as a sign that he will not judge the world with water. Some people say, well, he's not going to judge the world. No. He's going to judge the world not with water. But he's going to judge the world by fire. It says here that they are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. What's that, what, what is that for? The, those that continually have rejected and scoffed and 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 mocked God and his word, they will be destroyed. Not only physically. If it was only physically, then people would, would rather live their lives how they want to, and if they can just suffer temporal pain until they're six foot under, that's, that's worth it. It's a good trade-off. It's far more than that. It's an eternal separation from the living God. It's a, an eternal hell. In isolation, away from all goodness, from all grace, from all beauty, from all majesty. And Jesus said himself, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when that happens. And then he's telling the believers. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand days, and a thousand day, a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Taken from Psalm ninety, verse four, Psalm of Moses, the man of God that talked with God face to face. He says, "With God, time means nothing." So don't. Hedge your bets on your calendar. Don't think that nothing's happened, nothing will. When we go back two years ago into the pandemic, we thought there could probably nothing worse happen to Canada or the Western world where we can't travel now and we can't meet together now and so forth. 
then something else comes up like this that hasn't even I can't say that he's been so unbearable that it caused Christians to deny God I don't know hasn't happened here but when you get what you call birth pangs like we've been experiencing over the years when you know we thought oh this is going to be it some thought this is going to be it Trump and and North Korea his button was bigger than Kim's button and his works that he's going to blow him up this is something completely different I don't know where it's going to lead with what's happening now in the Ukraine I really don't know where it's going to lead but when the Bible talks about here that the elements will be be melting with fervent heat I've always connected that with nuclear war there was a thing called way back in the 70s um, anyone hear about the China syndrome the China syndrome it's a medical term it's, it's meant for something else but it was also used for if there was a nuclear reactor meltdown because of the heat that is so persistent and, and, and hot it could melt through the foundation to the core and end up in China that was a sort of thinking that was going through their minds back then this is a, a potential if it's there will it be used even in one absent moment in someone's mind could it happen people thought no well Putin has just said anyone that tries to stop me is going to receive very dire consequences and he's been boasting about his hypersonic missiles which can evade US radar I'm not saying it's going to happen but I'm saying somehow God is going to melt the elements of this world. He's going to create a new world, a new heavens. Just past my screen this week, I came across a, uh, a simulation which Princeton University had calculated. I don't know if you've seen that or not. But very briefly based upon their knowledge of the nuclear arsenals that both countries have they've done a simulation where in the first six hours five hours of a nuclear all-attack war 90 million people will be casualties or fatalities about 34 fatalities and about 55 57 casualties and that's just the immediate effects, let alone the nuclear fallout. You say, God will never let that happen to us. I mean, apart from that, if you look at in 2 Peter 2, it talks about, you know, look what happened with, with uh, all these um, cataclysmic events that happened during the time of Noah, during the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, during the time of Lot and he let Lot escape and God knows how to, to preserve his people from temptation that's what he said from temptation 
It doesn't mean that his people will not be affected by world events as we are experiencing now, as our forebears have experienced in Yugoslavia, Hungary, Romania, Ukraine, being sent to prison for three, six, nine, twelve years at a time, some dying there. Those that we heard from Sister Emma taken to, to concentration camps where they died in these liquidation camps that they call them. These things will happen. These things may happen again. Do you think for one moment that the Apostle Peter penned this not having in mind that the unconverted need to think about their lives? Do you think he just said that because, you know, he wanted to um, get back at the scoffers? No. He said this very plainly. I listened to, um, briefly, two sermons. Uh, I looked in the, in the our church's um, website where we had sermons on this particular topic. I remember Brother Phil had one, I think it was last February, or... And Brother Edmund had one back in 2020, November. To see what was the thinking going on there in the minds of these brothers as well. There's actually the same theme, the same message. God is doing this to bring those to repentance out of his long suffering. It says here, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some them that count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, if you talk to a Calvinist, he'll say, oh, he's waiting for all the elect to be saved. No. Because that's not what John says either. John, in, in his chapter 2, says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And, if, and he's speaking to the believers. And if, ye, if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's no this hidden decree of God before, behind every verse. It's a very explicit decree. The mystery has been revealed. God loved the world. At the time of Noah, he loved the world and he gave them 120 years to repent and they refused to repent. Today, he's giving us an opportunity. While this birth pang, this new birth pang has come up and may continue to grow and be stronger and more, more painful and more suffering. Until you realize and recognize who God is, as Nebuchadnezzar had to do. Seven years, he had to, he had to crawl around in his fours like a beast in a field. The dew of heaven falling on his back, on his whatever feathers and fur he had on at the time. Until he said, yes, I believe now that God 
of the heavens is also the God of the earth. Of the heavenly kingdom is also in the kingdom of men reigns. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Are we willing to bow the knee? Every knee shall bow, Philippians 2 says. Every knee shall bow, not just the worshippers of God. One day every knee shall bow. Whether in elation and jubilation and worship and love for their master, for their Lord, for their saviour or in pleading for mercy on the day of judgment every knee will bow. The apostle Peter is about to die. He's about to be according to legend crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to be crucified like his Lord. And he speaks this last warning, the first chapter, he talked about the, the coming persecution. He talked about per, uh, suffering in persecution. He talked about being, um, honoring the, 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 the government for their deterrent for evil works. As Paul says, don't return evil for evil, but let, if, if you suffer, suffer as a righteous believer and representative and ambassador of Jesus Christ. And now he's saying, you know, my departure is at hand. I'm ready to go. Peter was at complete peace for his own soul. But he had a burden for those that were left behind. And seeing these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Even here he is quoted from the book of Isaiah, chapter 34, almost word for word. He's saying, this is the prophecy, and it's going to happen. As it happened in Gomorrah, as it happened in Noah's time, as it... As it happened um, throughout the, the, the prophets of Daniel and Ezekiel and so forth, the, the coming doom and Isaiah, it's going to happen. One day it's going to happen again. What manner of men then ought ye to be? This is what is in it for Christians. This is what is in it for us. We need to assess our lives. We need to reassess what manner of people we ought to be. Go back now to chapter 1. This is the manner of people you ought to be. Verse 4. Wherefore are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by them ye might be partakers of the divine nature, the nature of the born-again believer of the Holy Spirit and of the Word, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, you have now escaped corruption. You have been given power over sin. You have been given an enlightened 
mind. You have been quickened by the Holy Spirit. And now he said, add unto your faith virtue, moral excellence, moral character, noble character. Add to that. Keep growing. Don't, don't be satisfied where you are. As Paul was not satisfied where he was in Philippians 3. And to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness uh, a charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make that you that you shall neither be barren, you won't be devoid of of birth things that come from you or empty or fruit neither will you be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ but he that looketh lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins you can see now why four times in the first chapter and a couple of times in chapter 3 he said I have written this to you to bring you into remembrance why because you have forgotten some of you may have forgotten that you were purged by the blood of Jesus Christ your sins have been forgiven some of you like the apostle Paul says want to go back to Egypt and some of these false teachers, that's exactly what they wanted to do. He accused them of lust and, and eyes full of adultery and thinking nothing's going to happen. You know, I'm very, very thankful for this last few verses in chapter 3. He, he talks about the apostle Paul. Peter, the apostle, the chief apostle, talks about the apostle Paul. Peter, the chief apostle to the, to the uh, Jews, to the chief apostle to the Gentiles, says, An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is the salvation, even as our brethren, brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto us. Peter received the letters of Paul. The same Peter that was, that was uh, rebuked by Paul because of his hypocrisy in Galatians chapter 2. Because he went along with the Judaizers and he was hypocrite, uh, a hypocrite when, 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 when confronted by Paul. And, and Paul, he didn't do this out of spite or jealousy. He did this out of love. We should not be upset or offended if someone comes to us out of love and wants to help us to recover from the snare of the devil or to recover from a fault or a sin that we've fallen into. We should thank them. We should not be defensive. And say, well, you sin too. Or, you're judging me. No, I'm not judging you. I'm trying to help you. Paul accepted the admonition of, uh, Peter accepted the admonition of Paul. He calls him our beloved brother. 
and in all his epistles speaking of them those things which are the, the same things to be un, understood which they that are unlearned and unstable rest and they also do they also other scriptures unto their own destruction there were things that are hard for Peter to understand and others to understand what Paul wrote we still have a hard time understanding everything that Paul has written But some are taking these scriptures and twisting them. You can go to 2 Thessalonians 2. Again, people that had written letters in the name of Paul. Twisting what he said. Trying to subvert the brethren and give them discouragement. What that tells me is Peter was a fallible man he made mistakes Paul was a fallible man he made mistakes maybe he made a mistake with John Mark and Barnabas but they held each other up in love and esteem for the Lord's sake they acknowledged when they were right and how can I use this now to to further the kingdom how can I now repeat you know if you look at the the scriptures between Paul and Peter I went through 11 scriptures yesterday 12 maybe where the wording of Paul and Peter are almost identical. And they say, oh, that's, they should be. They were both taught of the Holy Spirit, weren't they? But maybe they were taught from each other. And he used them. You, just, you can just read them for yourselves. I, have a, I can send you a copy if you want. The things that he mentioned, that Peter mentioned and Paul mentioned at different times. Things on submission to wives and, and servants to their masters. Things like submission to the government. Things like uh, kissing one another with a holy kiss for the brethren. Things like respecting the government. All these things, they were speaking one mind. And that tells me something else too. When you go down to the church fathers that were disciples of the disciples of the apostles... They were repeating these things in their letters. They were fighting the cults. They were fighting the sects through their epistles that they wrote and circulated throughout Europe and North Africa and Asia. And this went on for centuries. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all the way down. This repetition of, of the doctrines of Christ were handed down and they call them the early church fathers. You know what that tells me? That tells me this was a record that was maintained. It was not a cunningly devised fable that someone says, oh, the Christians believed that way back then because they were superstitious, because they were not as smart as we are, or because the records were lost. There are so many versions of the Bible. There are so many false epistles. Who do we believe? Therefore, I won't believe anything. No, that's telling me. The little things like that, telling me, and I'm sure it will tell you, and you can believe and accept that, that the word of God has been propagated from hand to hand, from mouth to mouth, from ear to ear, and it's been preserved to us this very day. And the analysis that we were given in our OMEC ministers meeting was that the word of the Bible 
is far more reliable than many other historical documents because of that. That they agree with the early manuscripts to within 1% or whatever it was. This sure word of prophecy, this word of truth, is given to us by the grace of God so that we could all come to repentance. In closing, when I read that verse, what manner of men ought we to be? How shall we live? How shall we live? This song came to my mind. And this song seems to have the same uh, music associated with it as Be Still Myself, Philandia. How ought we to live? I then shall live as one who's been forgiven. I'll walk with joy to know my debts are paid. I know my name is clear before my father. I am his child and I am not afraid. So greatly pardoned, I'll forgive my brother. The law of love I gladly will obey. I then shall live as one who's learned compassion. I've been so loved that I'll risk loving too. You've got to be vulnerable to love. I know how fear builds walls instead of bridges. I'll dare to see another's point of view. And when relationships demand commitment, then I'll be there to care and follow through. Your kingdom come around and through and in me. Your power and glory, let them shine through me. Your hallowed name, oh may I bear with honour. And may your living kingdom come in me. The bread of life, oh may I share with honour. And may you feed a hungry world through me. What manner of men ought we to be? To him be the glory of him more. Brother Doug referred to previous times this passage has been preached on. I do remember one in particular. My sister had to take me aside afterwards because I just, I just felt the, in some ways God is breaking the fourth wall here that's, that sometimes that when we preach the gospel from this pulpit, it appears to be just, okay, this is the set, you know, from this hour, someone speaks from this book, and then when it is over, we're finished, and we go back to our way of life. That it has become something rote, something that is just 
contained, safe. Perhaps that is why so many of us fall asleep, including myself. But this is not a tame word for me, first of all. This word says this is all going to burn. And as Brother Doug has mentioned, that's become a distinct possibility given current world events, but someday it's going to happen. And does that impact my decisions for how I live my life? Do, do, do the way I spend my time, is it really reflect the fact that this is all going to burn? How much of my time I spend for my work, way too much. How much of my time I spend for the eternal souls that may be lost, way too little. I stand corrected and challenged and guilty before this word. And I pray that this isn't just something that is a moment. And that's why my sister pulled me aside, and I'm still not sure if it's right, because, because I'm, I'm, I'm breaking my role here. I'm not being safe. But brothers and sisters, this is not a safe word. This world is not safe. The stuff we have is not safe. The stuff we build is not safe. Please. Take it seriously. And my dear friend, my dear friend, you are not safe. Please, our time is limited. Don't, like we heard in the beginning, think that it's just going to continue this way. We're going to go down and we're going to have a good lunch and we're going to get back to the stuff I'm building and, 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 and life's going to just get better and better. The stuff's going to go away. It's not true. The, the, the curtain is being pulled back on what's really happening, on where it's all going. Let's not walk away from here and forget what God has shown us in his word today. I apologize for my passion, but I don't. This is God's plea to me, first of all. May God bless his word this morning.